Hey y'all, welcome to episode one of Quarantine Conversations here on Friday Night Glory. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Christian Dutcher. Uh, I'm a junior at Reedy High School and I'm FNG's newest addition. After reporting on the sidelines for the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl and doing play-by-play -play, uh, for dozens of Frisco ISD football games and a couple of softball games, uh, I became very familiar with Friday Night Glory especially when preparing to become the official voice of Reedy Lions softball, which uh, went about how you'd expect it to. Uh, you may have noticed that here at Friday Night Glory, we've been pushing out as much content as we can, and I highly encourage you after this is over to go listen to my friends Maya Peterson in the Sports Isolation podcast and Parker Turley in the uh, PT Sports podcast. We're all tr uh, trying to do the same thing and just get athletes' raw reactions during this unprecedented time. And as I say that, I know half of y'all just rolled your eyes. Look, I get it. I'm not the first idiot with a microphone to tell you that we're in the midst of unprecedented times. But I think the narrative is kind of important to um, study. You know, just to provide some perspective, this is the first time in a hundred years that we most likely won't be crowning UIL state champions. Not even Adolf Hitler and Osama bin Laden stopped high school athletics in the state of Texas the way this uh, public health crisis has. Almost as if we just paused life. Um, unfortunately, the problem is there's no such thing. Um, as you'll soon find out listening to my Parker and Maya's podcast, life still forges forward. And that's why this virus has been such a problem for so many Americans. For athletes, this very well may be the greatest test of all time on both current and upcoming athletes. With practices being canceled and gyms being closed, some athletes are just doomed to become shells of their former selves when they come back to the court, field, or gridiron. And if you are unhappy with the angle I'm taking on this story, well, look, I'm 16. You've got to be out of your mind if you think that anything I say here on this podcast to go on a regional recruiting website uh, will make any difference in Washington, D.C. But I know where I can make some difference. Right here. Frisco, Texas, and the communities of athletes in which FNG serves all across the Metroplex for over a decade. If these players don't hear it from their coaches, which, let me be honest, I really hope they are, then they're going to have to hear it from me. I said it once and I'll say it again. There's no pause button on life. This includes your athletic ability. You're either building your house or watching it fall apart from the inside out. There's absolutely no in between. And so some of these athletes get it, like Michaela Wark, who we're about to talk to here in the next half hour. But some don't, and you and me know who they are. When we get back, which granted, it may be a while, but when we do, we will know who busted their humps putting in work which teams just busted out the video game controllers. 
You know, we've got a great show for you today. Actually, I hope it's a great show. I, I don't know. This hasn't been run by by anyone, but um, I think it's a pretty great show. Um, we've got University of Kansas commit uh, Michaela Wark here with us. Um, but first, let's get into some headlines. I think the biggest story since the quarantine began in the world of sports uh, is that the XFL suddenly suspended operations overnight. Wait, did I read that right? This isn't news. We knew that already. That was every sports league. It, wait. Uh, okay. So, the XFL suspended operations with no plans to return to the 2021 season. But this is still news how. This isn't some sort of hot take, but let's be honest with ourselves. After the fall of the AAF, did we really expect this to last more than a season? And to that, I say we did. Because Vince McMahon promised the XFL fans, the XFL players, and the people who were investing that he was putting his money in for three years, regardless of the success of the league. So yes, we didn't expect this. Ultimately, this is just going to become another one of the many excuses of why spring football could, could still work. It just it hasn't been the right circumstances. It hasn't been the right people. There's always reasons that were given of why it should work, but it isn't. The XFL and the AAF should be telling us something that everyone wants to ignore. Spring football is a novelty. The opening weekends of these sports are some of the highest rated sporting events during that week. However, as the weeks progress, people lose interest. Just as college football does one spring football game, Professional football should be the exact same. I think the NFL would gain a lot of interest if they just did one or two spring football games. And it would ultimately solve the problem of spring football leagues coming and going just as quickly as anything else. But you know, who I feel worse for in this situation, uh, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, is um, the city of Arlington. Now, hold on, hold on. I don't feel that bad for them, but they kept Globe Life Park standing with the impression that the Renegades would be full-time tenants. Um, yeah. Some advice, don't do that. Um, now they've got an interesting question knocking at their door which, let's be real here, it's not the biggest concern of theirs right now, but eventually it's going to be as important as what to do with the Astrodome. This question is simple. What's going to fill the empty void of the XFL? And sure, this applies to many cities, but Globe Life Park was the only stadium 
and which was not shared with another team. And I hear what you're saying. North Texas Soccer Club. Their USL League One team owned by FC Dallas, who last season won the championship and have been playing out at Toyota Stadium. Problem is, there is absolutely no positive way that they'll be able to fill that void. If you've ever watched a USL League One game in Texas, you'll know that it doesn't gain all that much traction. Sure, if you go to Greenville or Madison, Wisconsin, or even some of the other many cities who have shown that soccer, when there isn't, when it isn't a feeder team works, sure, they've got tons of fans. But North Texas Soccer Club simply didn't. Anyway, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this empty stadium, which honestly, they have no reason to keep around. Because keep in mind, North Texas Soccer Club didn't even want to be full-time tenants of Globe Life Park. When they originally announced the team, they talked about being a team that is for all of North Texas, talking about playing in multiple stadiums across the state. This means that they would play some at Toyota Stadium, some in Arlington, maybe some in Fort Worth, maybe some in downtown Dallas. They didn't want to be beholden to a single stadium, and while we didn't see that come to fruition in the 2019 season, I can guarantee you they won't want to take on the financial responsibility of running a stadium that being a full-time tenant of Globe Life Park would entail. Anyway, I'm done talking about minor leagues. Let's talk about our next story. Dana White is prepared to create a new reality TV show as he sends two fighters on an island to fend for themselves. Now, I know what you're thinking. No, it's not Survivor. It's actually UFC 249, and it is the craziest, most ridiculous idea I think I've seen. It's arguably the biggest event in mixed martial arts of the year. But I'll tell you why he's doing it. Because Dana don't want to lose out on that pay-per-view money. There's a lot of it there. I'm not opposed to this, actually, believe it or not. All jokes aside, no, not all jokes aside, I hope he takes the WWE angle on this. I think that'd be hilarious. Can you imagine a new TV sh reality TV show, Castaway Fight Club? It'd fit in perfectly with the bunch of reality TV garbage they have over on MTV. You know, um, <laughs> I've said a lot of unfunny jokes, um, but no one's here to laugh at me, so right now, I don't know what's good and what's not. Uh, so let's just go ahead and move on. Uh, that was headlines. We're going to take a deep dive into the MLB, but first, let's move on and welcome today's guest. Earlier today, I talked with Michaela Wark. Here's what she had to say. Hey guys, I'm sitting down virtually, of course, with Kansas Commit and one of the few extra inning softballs 
uh, National Players of the Week from this year. Uh, she came out of the season with a .714 batting average and 43 strikeouts before everything came crashing down. Please help me welcome Michaela Wark. Hi. <laughs> okay, so take us through that last week of softball uh, during spring break because y'all became y'all began on a really high high, beating Centennial 12 to one, and then Wednesday lost to Wakeland, and then found out the next day that you may not play for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, we ended not how we wanted to, you know. Um, of course, um, we wanted to end up on top, and I think that if the season would have came through, we would have um, finished in the first place position. Um, you know, every team has to lose, and, um, you know, even being undefeated, it's hard because you have that target on your back. Right. Um, I think that a loss is kind of good in a way because it teaches us, like, more from when, when we win. That makes sense. So. Um, yeah, we started off strong other than that. Um, I think that, like I said, we would have finished on top if, um, the season would have kept going. For sure. So, um, you, uh, I was at two of your games this season, kind of broadcasting them. And, uh, I noticed that in both the games I was at, um, you were not on the pitching mound. And so when... <laughs> The Fort Worth Star Telegram uh, released this year's list of uh, best softball pitchers in the area. Um, I looked for your name and of course I found it, which is um, an accomplishment in of itself to be on the list, but I don't think you were probably as high as you probably deserve to have been or wanted to be. Um, can you take us through the decision of um, whether it was the coach or the team on uh, to put Cox on the mound? Right, so um, this year, well, I'm not, a pitcher in select ball. I play third base. I'm recruited for third base and um, and infield um, position and more hitting. So uh, I mainly just pitch for for high school ball. Um, but this year we got a freshman. Her name is Michaela Cox. Really, really good. Really great. But um, I think that we're trying to weave, we were trying to weave her in, you know, because um, my freshman sophomore and thank God this year I didn't have to do it. Um, I had to take on all the games, which is um, tough on your arm, like two games a week, uh, tournaments, like stuff like that. So it was really nice this year, like getting um, a break from that and having her step up, like having a, um, a person who knew how to do it, you know. And um, I have to give props to her because it's a huge difference between select ball and um, uh, high school ball, like a, a whole nother dynamic because you practice every day, your arm is tired, you see the same people over and over again. Um, so, yeah, and I feel bad because, like, she stepped up um, a lot because um, in our very first tournament game, like, I came out and I was sick, um, and she took on both games. Like, it was her first game, you know, both the freshmen, like, all of them, they're doing great. So, yeah. Yeah, I was worried about seeming like TMZ with that question. No, it's not at all. It's not it like was that. not to be, like, a um, kind of attack on her because she did a really good job, as you said, yeah. but um, it was just kind of interesting to see that yeah. change and obviously um, that makes sense now uh, yeah. that we know what position you play. Yeah. Um, so y'all were clearly looking uh, for revenge this season, specifically on uh, cross the road rivals Wakeland and uh, the notoriously successful Forney Jackrabbits. Um, where's the overall team morale now that you know that for both teams, you won't be able to avenge those losses? Um, I think that's one of the worst things um, about the whole quarantine thing is that I truly believe, um, and I know the team believes, that 
if we would have continued to play, um, like I said before, I think I really, really believe that we would have finished um, on top in district wise and made a really far playoff run, possibly even state. Um, and I know that's where, like, before this whole thing happened, I know that's where all of our heads were. Like, we knew that we were good. Even after the Wakeland game, we were like, you know what? We sat down, we were like, all right, it happened. Like, it all, it's going to happen. You know, every year we have that one loss that sucks, but, yeah, we have to learn from it. So, yeah. Of course, can't uh, keep kicking yourself over those losses. Yeah. Um. So over the past couple of weeks, um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, but uh, the University Interscholastic League has been sending out a lot of mixed messages on whether we'd be coming back this season, um, whether they're pushing the seasons or, and um, personally, I, it's partially because I don't think anyone really knows when this is going to be over, but how has the um, not knowing that whether you will come back or not affected your training in any way? Um, you know, honestly, it hasn't that much. Like, I've tried, to, I've been trying to stay active. Um, and my coaches, Coach Smith, has done a good job. We're doing like a um, workout thing with basketball, like a little competitive thing, like throughout the weeks. You know, I'm still um, keeping up with Exos and um, my sports performance place. They're still sending out workouts, still practicing with my dad, you know, and it's different, but like, I think that this is a good time. Like it's kind of a test for everyone, like kind of see who's willing to put in the work, you know, um, like when you're giving this much time, what are you going to do with it? Like, are you going to turn it into a good thing? Or are you just going to sit on your bed? You know? So um, I, I'm trying to take that to my advantage, like working with my dad, um, talking, communicating. I think that's a huge thing um, with the team FaceTiming, doing zoom meetings with them. So, yeah. For sure. So um, I was just about to ask you about that. Um, the Strength of the Pride showdown, um, it was announced today on Twitter, and we kind of got an idea of what it is, but can you explain to us really in the broad spectrum, what is the competition and how did you choose your team? Um, so the competition is um, held by Coach Smith. Um, so I got an email. It said um, I was a team captain, and I got to choose five people from my team. Um, I just kind of texted out in the group chat. I was like, hey, anyone that's willing to do it, like, you know, um, I just need you to do it every day. It's 20 minutes of your time. Like, we're not doing anything else. So if you want to um, submit these videos, like, go ahead. And those five people responded. So um, that's how I chose that. And I knew that they, um, those people would um, submit those. So if, um, so there's five workouts um, that he sent out. And every day we have to record like a time lapse of them. We send them into him. Like every, every video is a point. So you can get six points a day. So whoever comes out on the top wins. Yeah. All right. Um, so during this time, obviously everyone has different ways of working out. Um, obviously, you know, not everyone has a field in the back of their yard. So um, I'm kind of been asking each athlete, how have you been um, training during this time where gyms are closed? Um, I'm thankful enough to have my dad, who's a coach. Um, he works with me a lot. Um, we practice on our street. Like, I'm scuffing up all my balls on the concrete, but, you know, it's what you have to do. Um, at Bia Phillips, we have um, a big open field we hit on, which is in a way good because even though I have to go pick up all, all the balls, like, I know how to spot hit. I'm trying to learn how to all hit to the right side, all hit up the middle, you know. Um, so that's good. Um, yeah, just working with my dad. 
So you and your fellow teammate, uh, Tony McGinnis, both uh, committed to Coach Klein's alma mater, uh, University of Kansas. Can you take me through the process of determining which college you'd go to for the next step of your career and whether Coach Klein affected that decision at all? Um, yeah, you know, um, so choosing Kansas is, um, you know, it was easy for me, honestly. Um, it was a tough time around that time period because um, everyone was committing so soon and everyone, like, it was that junior time where everyone was stressing, you know. But, you know, I went to a camp. I was invited. I was like, it's going to be cold, like, eight-hour drive. I don't know. Like, you know, I wanted to go a little far, but eight hours, like, that's kind of far, you know. Right. But I went there and I was like, dang, like, I love it here. Tony's going here. Um, Savannah DeRochet, she's from Forney. She's going there. Like, and we're all like being carpooled down and back. Like, yeah. And it just kind of, um, so that's why I chose Kansas. The coaching staff is really good. It's an Olympian. Um, Coach Klein, yeah, she had um, an effect on it. Like she kept, um, she would ask me what I was thinking or like, um, you know, she helped me out with the recruiting process, the mental side, because it was kind of breaking me down. But, it's, you know, it came out good. Yeah. Good. Um, so in, um, pardon me. So, uh, when, um, you kind of caught wind of this, what was, uh, coach Klein's first message to you? I know you talked about the locker room after the Wakeland game, but obviously Thursday was a whirlwind of information for us. You know, it was really weird because, um, you know, well, we were talking about it before because we had seen the news um, that it had got bad, but we, like, you know, we didn't know how bad it had gotten or it hadn't gotten that bad here, at least. Um, so we were kind of just like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, you know, like, it's a thing. For it sure. happened, you know? Um, and so now Coach, well, Coach Klein, so we had a Zoom meeting and stuff. Um, she just kind of keeps, keeps us updated through the Twitter, um, you know, trying to – I think she knows just as much as us. Like, I think that she's telling us everything that she can do on her part. Um, but at this point, no one really knows what's happening, you know? So it's hard for her, I think. So I talked to us about kind of what your um, career goals, like what looking forward you want to accomplish um, kind of, even beyond college, just as a person? Yeah. Um, so after college, I'm thinking about, um, honestly, there's multiple things that interest me. Um, of course, sports I've always liked. Um, so maybe physical therapy, um, working out, like being a trainer, stuff like that, being a coach, maybe. Um, maybe on the business side, um, starting a business. I don't know. Like, honestly, it's such <laughs> like, like a lot of things interest me right now. I'm just trying to um, get next year all um, – my senior year, I'll try to get some college classes done to um, take off some pressure for um, my college season. Uh, so that way I'm not totally booked because we're traveling. We're going to be traveling a lot. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know. Just kind of exploring your different classes. Yeah. All right. Uh, so to finish it off, uh, let's just do some rapid fire questions. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What has been your favorite TV show to binge during this time? Uh, I watched Tiger King. That was interesting. That was, that, was, that was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, what is one new skill you learned during this quarantine? Um, cooking and painting, honestly. That's all I've been doing. 
Speaking of cooking, what's one thing you've cooked during this quarantine? Um, I made my family omelets and a Cajun pasta. Was it good? Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Um, I spoke with myself. It was pretty good. All right. Um, uh, how has e-school been going? Because everyone has a different opinion about it. Um, I think part of it is what classes you're in. So uh, kind of tell us, easy, hard. What do you think? Um, for me, it's easy in a sense that like it's less work um, to do, but like the teachers, it's hard not having them right there with you, of course. So like, um, yeah. like just in case if you have that one question, then I have to email or like, you know, it takes a little bit longer, but I think they're doing what they can with uh, what they have. And they did a good job, honestly, like the first week, like they got it done. Like they found out in like three days and they, like, they finished everything um, with eSchool, which is really, um, really hard to do. And they did it. So, yeah. Yeah. It was insane how quickly they were able to turn around on that yeah um well is there anything else you want to tell the people no just stay safe yeah all right uh thank you for joining us michaela thank you for having me well we're on the topic of diamonds in the rough let's talk about the biggest one of them all the mlb <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in this story so forgive me if I've missed a couple of details, but this first came on my radar Thursday when we found out that the MLB had plans to play all games in the greater Phoenix area. Now, this has changed a little bit since that information came up. Um, however, as we now know, uh, for the first time in MLB history, they intend to have their teams play the entire season at their spring training sites and instead of using the traditional National and American Leagues, moving to a locality-based system of the Grapefruit and Cactus Leagues. And honestly, I don't know how to feel about it. On the one hand, I understand the whole rally around sporting sentiment that's often shared. Heck, one of the most powerful images in my mind as, um, in the wake of 9-11 is George Bush walking out and throwing the first pitch in a bulletproof vest at a Yankees game. That being said, this brings up serious questions for me and lots of people about athletes and their families' health. Now, we know for a fact that this has the quote-unquote support of the public health community as well as some players but we also know that it has caused resentment among others. Um, when it comes to the support of the quote-unquote public health community, what they're really talking about is not it's safe for athletes. And that's one of the most misunderstood points. In all actuality, what they're saying is that it would provide a good example on social distancing. And to that, I actually disagree quite heavily. Because we're being told as students, as student athletes, that we are not allowed to go to school, to play games together. We're told to stay six feet apart and, you know, to wear masks. So I don't understand how playing in 
playing baseball, granted, in empty stadiums, sets any example for the general public about what should be done during this time. To me, it seems that this is all about money. And, unfortunately, that is something we have to consider. If I had to guess, a decision on this would be split very similar to how the NFLPA's CBA always votes. The big name players always want something, but the smaller name players don't want to miss a paycheck. I assume the same goes for this plan. Except one key difference. We're not talking about the availability of more money for these big name players like Dak Prescott. We're talking about potentially their health. On GetUp, a reporter talked about this decision and said that athletes changed their mind when it came to whether they would get a paycheck this year. And honestly, that's what's going to drive most of the athletes. And it will definitely drive the MLB as a whole. It's driving them to make this plan. But the athletes, it's up to them to get out on the field. My guess is that the smaller ones who teeter-totter between the minors and the pros will desperately want this to happen. Because if it doesn't, they're not getting paid this year. Here's the other thing. This plan relies on one very important key factor. It relies on the availability of widespread testing, something that has caused concern for many. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about whether we had enough masks and the CDC, whether they like to admit it or not, did not want us to be wearing masks because we needed those for public health officials and the fact of the matter was we just didn't have enough. But they opened it to the private sector and the issue soon became resolved. I'm not trying to turn this into a problem of economics, but if testing was to work and we know that these private sectors do have the ability to pump out tests, it could theoretically work under one condition. The CDC would have to stop capping the amount of tests available for the private sector to create. Furthermore, we have to ensure that the testing of these players does not come at the cost of civilian lives. When it comes to the availability of testing, it is always gotta be about the public safety of everyone before big corporations worrying about money loss. The MLB was heavily criticized for making this claim, but Here's something important to remember. It was just an idea. Nothing has, really anything has been 
done on this plane. No actions, no votes. It's just an idea. And ideas are important. Here's what North Texas native Will Kane had to say on Outside the Lines this Sunday morning. Shut it down. It's our new national rallying cry. We've appropriately shut down our lives to fight this virus, but it seems to me that as we've gone about shutting down our jobs, our sports, our economy, shut it down has turned into an unthinking, monastic chant applied to new ideas. Now, not all these ideas are perfect, and some might not even be good, but they're all met with shut it down, shut down the conversation, shut down the questions, shut down the ideas. Here's the thing. As Will Kane said, ideas propel us forward. As Americans, we certainly have not welcomed every single idea that we've ever dreamt with open arms. But without these ideas, without ideas in general, America doesn't exist. Without the ideas of personal freedom, of liberty. In the case of this virus, if we didn't have ideas, we've been told that lives would simply be lost. The idea of social distancing without it, we would reportedly have 2.5 million deaths in America. The idea of investigating the claims China was making regarding this, regarding this virus. Without it, it is very likely Donald Trump would not have put early travel restrictions in place. The idea of not limiting the making of masks and ventilators. Without it, many people would not have the proper medical supplies to take care of the public. Ideas are important, so long as we don't treat them as fact. The MLB doesn't know that playing in the spring training style bubble will keep players protected, nor does Dana White know when it comes to the UFC playing on a private island. Or Adam Silver, when it comes to the possibility of the rest of the NBA season being played in Las Vegas casinos. Ideas are important, so we need to keep dreaming. As long as we don't tell people that these ideas are a matter of fact, they're just a matter of opinion. The ideas that come out of this quarantine are what will entertain us for years to come, what will solve the widespread outbreak of this virus, and will change the way we look at society and the way society looks at viruses so that we can ensure an outbreak like this never happens again. I don't know whether the ideas of the MLB are good or bad. I know they don't send a good message to me as a student athlete who just wants to get back into the sport, but I would never pretend whether to know it was good or bad for the actual athletes, the ones that would primarily be affected by this. So keep dreaming. Keep having ideas. But let's not let ourselves decide whether they're good or bad. Let's let the professionals, the ones who are trying to save lives, let's let those guys investigate them. Thank y'all for joining me on the first episode of Quarantined Conversations. We hopefully will be back 
very shortly with another athlete from the realms of Frisco ISD. If you're a Frisco ISD athlete and wants to talk, all you need is Zoom. And I know you've got it anyway, because you've got all those classes. So DM me on Twitter, at ClutcherDutcher, or DM Friday Night Glory. Anyway, thank y'all. For joining me, like I said, check out Maya Peterson in the Sports Isolation Podcast, Parker Turley in the PT Sports Podcast. For FNG, I'm Christian Dutcher.